Amaya Adhill is an attorney at law and was called to the Bar of England and Wales, Antigua, and most recently Ontario. Amaya practiced as an attorney at law for 10 years in Antigua and the United Kingdom, where she specialized in civil litigation, international law, and human rights law. A golfer since the age of five, after moving to Canada in early 2023, Amaya began working in the golf industry. Currently, she's the manager at Golf Canada, where she manages the implementation of the First Tee program in Ontario, a program that provides opportunities to access golf for young people from historically excluded and systemically marginalized communities. In addition to her role at Golf Canada, Amaya qualified as a golf professional in May 2023 and is one of the few Black women members of the PGA of Canada. Amaya co-founded a group called Black Women Golfers that seeks to introduce Black women to the sport of golf in a fun and social environment. This summer, Black Women Golfers introduced over 50 Black women to golf and created a space for Black women to practice together. So excited for this episode of the BSP podcast where we're talking about black professionals in golf. This is a new time where we get to, you know, divulge the sport of golf a bit more and talk to professionals who are actually on the inside of it, talk about their experiences, talk about what they're doing and how we want to improve diversity in this space. So who I have with me today? Amaya Adhill, um, black woman golfers, you know, whole attorney and bear things. I am so excited to be here with you. Because you don't get to see very many female black golfers no. on the course who know what they're doing. I want to add that part. Who know what they're doing <laughs> and are really good at it. Right? Great. So thanks for having us. And thanks for look, look outside <laughs> on the green. This is so amazing. So talk about Amaya. Let me know what people don't know about Amaya. First of all, thank you for having me here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Excited to do it on a range, which is kind of feels like home for me. Yeah. Um, I got you hitting some balls earlier. He got that on video though, right? He got that on video? You got it? Oh okay. no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's going to be part of this podcast, <laughs> I hope. Fingers crossed. So I'm really happy to be here. Really happy to have this, this conversation. I think it's a great place to start. So uh, my name is Amaya. I was raised in Antigua mm-hmm. uh, and I started playing golf when I was five. My dad oh. introduced me to the game because he grew up with not much and mm-hmm. he had a mentor uh, as an entrepreneur himself. He had a mentor who introduced him to the game. Gotcha. He saw how many deals were being made on mm-hmm. the course and he thought, this is a game for my daughter. So he introduced me to the sport I out of that. the need to feel like I could go somewhere in life, somewhere maybe he thought maybe he couldn't. Right, so right. So you always want to give your kids more than what you had. Absolutely. And I think it's such a great tool for networking. Absolutely. So in addition to being a golfer, I'm also a lawyer. I was practicing law for 10 years before I moved to Canada. I'm mm-hmm. a newcomer to Canada. I moved to Canada last year. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, trying to fit in. Trying uh, to figure it all out. We're all trying to fit in here. Girl, that's another <laughs> podcast. Whole other podcast. <laughs> so I'm really, uh, now, and since I've moved, I yeah. now work in golf. I work for Golf Canada. Amazing. I manage a program called First Tee Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm it's also... a little circle for you, isn't it? A little bit. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's an interesting story how I got here. I'm not sure how much I can go in depth okay. about just a little bit. Um, so when I was practicing law, I had kind of stopped playing golf for 10 years. Interesting. And I was working in the UK when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And I decided, okay, my mental health is, it's taken a toll. So I decided to pick back up a sport. And yes. golf was always my sport. So I picked it back up. 
And differently to Antigua, where everybody looked like me, and yes. I felt like I belonged in the sport of golf, in the UK, I hardly saw any black women on the course. Of course. So it felt very lonely, and it started making me question my own belonging mm -hmm. in golf. So in the UK, I started introducing black women to the sport just awesome. at taster events in conjunction with a mentor of mine called Julia Regis. She yeah. really helped me along the way. So when I moved to Canada, I had not yet finished all my requirements to get called to the bar here. Okay. So I decided to work in golf, which is how I began to work with Golf Canada. Okay. So Golf Canada was more like, a, I think, I want to say a divine direction for you. Absolutely, yes. In the sense where you had stopped playing for 10 years. But it's funny because I want to go back to something that your dad had said where yeah. he's like, a lot of deals happen on the course. Yes. Um, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and they were talking about like a trillion dollar industry in the U.S., venture capital industry. And they were saying of that industry piece, 97% of the, the money that flows through there goes to white males, mm -hmm. 97. Yes. So the other 3% goes to women and all other minorities. Mm. So how disproportionate? I don't even know if disproportionate is the word. It's yeah. just straight landslide, right? And when you think about that and you think about what your dad said in terms of like deals being cut in the, on the course mm -hmm. and making those relationships, a lot of us as black people or people of color are often missing from those conversations because we don't know much about golf because we were never like introduced to it mm -hmm. um, or resources are probably not as because golf is not a cheap sport no. similar to hockey it's not like super like let me go get my golf clubs and on top of it the space itself doesn't feel like we should be here no not at all so those all factors and I think on a weekend people would rather go watch the Raptors game mm -hmm. to be honest rather than put themselves through a process where they don't feel like they belong somewhere and in, in spaces that don't necessarily make them feel that way. 100%. I think we need to think about the history of golf. Golf was not meant for black people. Mm. Period. What yeah. was meant for black people? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start uh, there. Let's, uh, that's another podcast. Yeah, that's uh, a whole, we, we need we're, a we're couple shoot-off podcasts. We're into episode 15 by now. Like, we have a lot to say There's about this. a lot this. of content here. I think... Uh, if you think about golf, golf is not made for people of color. Mm -hmm. it's, it was a sport that was created by white folks for white folks. It was a sport created and uh, maintained within a certain class of people. Okay. Um, so when we're looking at what golf spaces actually look like, there are a lot of gates. There's a lot of fences. There's mm -hmm. a lot of blocking people from the outside from coming in. So nobody's going to feel like rocking up to a golf course and they're not going to know what to do. You pull up to a gate, what do you do what with that? What do you do? Is it going to automatically open? Mm -hmm. Are you going to have to press a button and say why you're here? Do, do you know why you're here? <laughs> yeah. What is it? Yeah. There's an exclusivity to this sport that's built in from the very foundation of it, from the mm -hmm. very existence of a golf course. So not a lot of us are uh, used to accessing this space, which is why it's important that for my dad, he had a mentor yes. who could bring him into the space and then he could show me how to get into this space. Correct. And I think it's imperative for us as people of color mm -hmm. to now continue to introduce other people to these spaces so that you can feel more and more comfortable accessing it on your own mm -hmm. or even introducing it further down the line. Correct. So we deserve to be in these spaces as well. We yes. should never have to feel like we should be excluded from anywhere. No. We have a right to be in these spaces and we should, like you are now like cracking the door for other people, to other women, ideally, to get in, like myself, because I'm a part of Amaya's Black Women's Marcia Golfers. Marsha had already cracked her own door into golf before I even <laughs> met her. So where is she going with this? I'm very flattered, but I feel like... You know, man. There are women of color who play golf. They and are. They're, they're, they're specklings of us. Yes. I think social media has made it easier to find each other. Mm -hmm. um, How many people have you found on social media, mm -hmm. like black women, 
playing golf. I saw you with um, someone in Alberta. Yeah. I was like, oh, look, she found another <laughs> one. I feel like you just find them in places, and it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It's countless. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I say we're still very much in the minority. I say of that course. with understanding that we're still making up, like, who knows what point percentage of the golfers that actually play golf in Canada or worldwide, mm -hmm. but we are there. Um, and social media, for me, has been a really great connector to find people. Yeah. Um, and across Canada... Uh, I just want to pinpoint a few movements, actually, because I think they're worthwhile mentioning. Oh, please. So please. there's Black Lives Matter Golf in Nova Scotia. Yes, yes. They are phenomenal. And there's a group of women within that group called... Um, from led by Tina Skier, mm -hmm. uh, who is an awesome person as well. She's exceptional. Yes. And she has a, a weekly women's group during the summer that introduces mm. women to golf. There's also a woman of color, Cheyenne, okay. in uh, Vancouver. Mm. Uh, blanking on her, I think her last name is, no, I can't remember her last name. Uh, she also does a lot of work getting women into the sport. Okay. The woman that you mentioned that I met with, she's yes. an indigenous woman. She's, oh. I think, maybe Canada's only indigenous LPGA professional. Wow. She's phenomenal. Okay. Her she was really just, good. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, she's great. She has a fluidity <laughs> to her swing that I wish I could emulate. So like, yeah. we're here and we have the mechanisms to find each other. And I think we also have the mechanisms through social media to inspire. And that's important. I find that the representation that you see through your channels and other women's challenges as well, give people the, the push or the encouragement to go out and try it and feel more confident in doing so. Yes. Yes, you won't know everything right away, mm -hmm. but being there and being able to say, I deserve to be here and I'm going to like miss a couple of times, but I'm going to get it right eventually, yes. is something that I think a lot of people have to get over first. Yes. And once they get over that, then it gets a lot easier moving forward. And I think I found a real passion for introducing women to golf. I think it's, it's something that it... It sounds like a lot, but it's mm -hmm. really simple. It's just inviting women it's to a space, women. and they are the women that have interacted through Black Women Golfers, mm -hmm. which is the platform that I, I created, have been so brave. Showing up to a space that you're not familiar with yeah. and giving it a go, no matter who's around, because you always feel like people are looking, looking at, at you, you and judging and you, and even we're sitting comments. here now. As we sit here now, the stairs continue. <laughs> We sit here you know? now, and we know that people look over. We of know course. that people have their thoughts about whatever. We can do But work. the reason why they look is because it's unconventional. It is. And I think uh, it's... I love that the women that I've interacted with so far have been brave enough to take up the sport. I even think about the way you took up the sport. You got invited to a charity game one day, and you I said, did. bet, I am bet. going. Because I was going to say no. My plan was to be like, yeah, no, pass. And I said, you know what? Let me call a friend who is an awesome person who used to work at Adidas Golf, Leslie, and I said, I know I don't know what I'm doing, but can you help me make me look like I know what I'm doing? And that's basically how I got into golf. It was, it was women championing women and supporting women because I went for a quick tutorial with another pro golfer, Emma, mm -hmm. and that is how I felt like, all right, let me just go hit this ball. And they're like, have you played before? I'm like, no. <laughs> they were so shocked. But if it wasn't for their support and encouragement, I definitely would have been like, yeah, no, hard pass. Look at women supporting women. And, mm -hmm. look at, and all it took was for you to say yes. That's it. And I love that story because for me, growing up in golf, it's easy for me to access spaces. Yes. But for beginner golfers to come here and continually put themselves in front of other people knowing that they're not going to hit a ball like an LPGA pro right. is wildly brave to me. And I just have yes. to commend everybody who, who does it and who tries it. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, take, I take the commendation. Now roll the, wheel, the reel of her actually hitting the ball, yeah? You Thank know, you. we're working on it. 
<laughs> is this am I a baby steps because I'm no LGPA person you're, at all you're but almost there you're almost, almost there I'd like to have a child who was like because remember when we were here last week we had a little girl yes and her Emma. mom was here I'm like that's amazing for her to be so young and so comfortable with the clubs and so comfortable with her form and she was how old was Emma like I think Emma's seven or yeah eight. I was like you know what the future of this is looking real nice yes. and I'm liking what this looks like and it for is. her mom and her to do it together it's another activity that they can do that's unconventional but really cool and they can grow in the sport because golf has no age limit it does not right you it can play not. golf till you're 80 you can, or, or beyond <laughs> or, or beyond. beyond so it really depends on your physical capabilities uh you know as you age mm-hmm. it depends we have on the which- cart you, you do have a card, but it depends on what t- what body parts kind of start to break down for yes. you that you might not play as much, but it definitely is a sport you can enjoy in your, in your older life. I think what I love about the Emma story, Emma, um, she started as a child. Her mom was a golfer as a child too, kind of gave it up. Gotcha. Um, but what I love is her mother has introduced her to the sport. I there love are it. so many stories of golfers, who, including my own, mm-hmm. where my dad got me into golf. That mm-hmm. is the common story. My dad took me to the golf course, my uncle, my grandfather. Yes. But to see, see that her mom took her. The generations are shifting. I love and that. You're seeing women who have had experiences with golf now taking their daughters mm-hmm. or their sons to golf is something that I love to see or a shift I love to see. That is something that we probably need to hear more about because like yes. you said, we're so used to hearing, oh, my dad, my uncle, yes. but what about the women who exactly. are now confident enough in the space to take somebody else and then groom their daughters exactly. to be confident in the space as well? Yes, Big and that's, win. that is what I, I look forward to seeing more of that as we continue on. I love this. Um, so I'm going to change gears on you because I didn't realize that you didn't play for like 10 years. Yes. So talk to me about this PGA certification that you recently, <laughs> like I don't understand how you go from like Michael Jordan retirement to coming straight back in here and getting like a PGA certification. Explain that to like people like me who can hit the ball three times and just go home because we're tired. I actually don't understand how it happened either. So let me <laughs> let me take a minute to figure out how to explain this. Yeah. Okay. So. But what is a cert, first of all, for, for people who don't really understand what that could be? So in May of this year, Mm -hmm. I essentially qualified as a a golf professional. And what that means is I took a test where I had to score under a certain uh, number in order to join the PGA of Canada, which is the Professional Golf Association of Canada, which makes me a golf professional. Mm -hmm. Um, So how that happened, when I started golf again in 2020, oh gosh, one, um, I, when I was, let me start again, sorry. When I was a teenager, I was competitive. So Mm. I would travel throughout the Caribbean and I would compete on junior circuits. Um, A few of us used to go to maybe North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida and Mm -hmm. compete as well in the summer, depending on, you know, if we had funds to do it. Yeah, resources, Um, of course. So when I went to university, I did not know how to navigate getting a golf scholarship in the States, which was was my original goal. Neither of my parents had gone to university Mm -hmm. and we didn't have a support system to help us navigate how to take my talent to the next Hmm. stage. Okay. So what I did have was a British passport because of my dad. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to the UK where golf is a culture, but it's not embedded into university life in the same way. Okay, in a sport way, like an NCAA kind of way. Exactly. There's there's nothing like... It exists, but on a very small scale. Gotcha. So I ended up moving to England because I could qualify for a student loan and actually do university affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up just not playing golf because what university student in central London is going all to a the golf way course out. Yeah, because it's not, it's not accessible it's from there. It's not. And yeah. I didn't take my clubs. It's also expensive when mm-hmm. you're on a university budget. I'm eating ramen noodles. How am I going to How a golf course? How am I going to go off towards a golf course? <laughs> exactly. It, just, it doesn't add up. The math's so not math. I, I just stopped playing. When I moved back to Antigua after university, I kind of picked it up a little bit. I would play every now and again, but it wasn't serious. I wasn't committed. I wasn't passionate. I wasn't in love. So mm. it had really changed. Um, so I really wasn't playing that much either. 
then when I moved back to the UK, I still wasn't playing until the pandemic. So okay. how it progressed now, uh, I got back into sport and the golf bug bit me hard. Like It looked like it was hard. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I even exist. It took such a big bite mark out of me. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I started playing. I joined a local club in the UK. Okay. And that gave me community. Yes, so that helps able, a lot. I love that. helps that. a lot. And, you know, granted, it wasn't a community of color. It was just a community of municipal golf players mm-hmm. who wanted to play affordable golf, who weren't competitive or trying to beat you down. Okay. Who just wanted everybody to grow together in the game and have fun. Love and that. I enjoyed that. So... Uh, started there and then when I moved to Canada and I worked for Golf Canada one of the requirements of joining the PGA you have to actually work in the sport of golf gotcha I so didn't know that there is that step one oh interesting. if you don't work in golf then in the golfing industry you can't, can't actually turn pro hmm. you could have the biggest talent yeah but, but you if have you don't work, work in, in the golf, golf industry that's interesting that's a requirement I wonder you know what I'm gonna keep my comments to myself about that one mm-hmm. continue yeah, is this fascinating. another podcast? Podcast episode number 16, yeah. Uh-huh. If, if we think about people like, uh, I don't know if you remember, oh, I don't know if you were here for that, but there was a, a, a woman who came to one of our intro sessions. Her name is Brittany. Yeah. Um, she's just starting out in golf, but she works at Golf Town. Okay, And yes. she could join the PJ if she wanted to because essentially that counts as working, as working in the golf, golf. industry. Mm-hmm. All right, so anyway, this was the first step. Uh, one of the issues I had when starting to work in golf in Canada is that you have you come up against this respect you need to earn mm-hmm. your stripes in the golfing industry people feel as though you don't understand them because you haven't worked in the golf industry long Fascinating. and i felt like i needed some way to show i belong or some way to show like i'm qualified to do this work hmm. and sometimes it means taking an additional course or a dif- additional step and for me also wanting to introduce black women to the game yeah yeah both went hand in hand. So here I am, I can give myself a qualification Mm -hmm. that gives me some credence in this new industry that I've entered outside of law. And then two, this also gives me the ability to coach and to learn Mm -hmm. how to be a better coach because I can golf, but I'm not 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 the best of coaches. You you look okay, go (laughs) ahead. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, you might want to come a little bit closer Closer. to the ball, maybe. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe. So you are in the space, qualified to be in the space. You are a golfer, you're good at it, but you still felt the need to validate yourself. Yes. And I often wonder, do non-people of color have to do the same thing? Or is it just people of color requirement to do everything? Like it's not it's not enough for you to be good at what you do. Yes. You have to now prove yourself over and over yes. again in spaces where they don't have to prove themselves for anything. A hundred percent. And I think- Super fascinating. You know as well as I do, as a woman and as a black woman, mm-hmm. we have to work three times as hard to, to get, get just as one much. one third as less. Or one third as one, less, one, correct. Yeah. Like, and I, I think there's also an imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that comes with leaving a profession that I know and I was used to and that I was growing in and yeah. to come into a new industry. And I didn't want to go around being like, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. I don't want that to give me validity Credence, in people's yeah. eyes. I am who I am and I'm, I'm a, a good worker, I'm a hard worker and I know what I, I know what I'm capable of mm-hmm. and the work that I can do. And I know that it can be excellent. I just think it's fun to watch because you have proven yourself to be an astute attorney. You're yeah. good at what you do there. And then you come here and you do the same thing. It just speaks a lot to the person that you are, the professional that you are. You. So at the end of the day, there's never any loss to you because it just shows how much more powerful you are yes. as a person. Yes. Thank and you. how not powerful they are. <laughs> Thank you, Marsha. Anytime. <laughs> I think, I, I think mm-hmm. um, having the opportunity to do the test and actually enter the space was a huge step. 
um, for me and I think for us as people of color as for, and women of color um, that I know of. I actually met one other black woman professional oh, in Canada. Where? She is just across the road in Mississauga. No way. I'm meeting her in October. You guys are going to play together? Uh, yes, that oh is my the gosh. goal. So I can't wait to watch your Instagram. Uh, right? I'm so excited. <laughs> it's so going to be fire. As far as I know, outside of the two of us, I haven't met any more. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited to so see. So she also works in a golf space. She does. Hmm. She is, she, I think, uh, I can't remember her story, but I think she might have let go of her membership for a while and then rejoined. So I'm really excited to meet her. That'd be cool. Yeah. That's awesome to find other women of color in that space, especially black women. Like, yes. tell me more about your life and what you have done to get here. Thank like, you. Please, let's go for a whole two let's rounds, share 18 notes. holes, 36 holes, everything. I just want to hear her story. <laughs> 100%. And I'm so excited about it. I'm happy. I'm happy for you because I, I know that it gets lonely. So having someone else who identifies and can relate and having that representation there means so much. 100%. So I'm like super excited for Me you. Because we're not good like yeah. you. Because we can do what you're doing. What? <laughs> you little one to putt putt. <laughs> you little one to putt putt. You know, it won't, it won't work. I, I wanted to ask you with what you've done and the fact that you've now made it public, like this is what I've done, I've got it. Do you, are you aiming to also encourage more women of color to do the same? A hundred And creating that pathway for them to say, this is accessible, this is doable, I want to help you guys do it too. Well, I think it's twofold. I'm hoping uh, as I grow in the PGA, as a member, as a professional, um, maybe there are some conversations there that I can help from the inside uh, because I don't know I, I want to be careful here. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's some things that can be done on the PGA side of things to okay. talk about diversity and accessibility of becoming a member of the PGA. Yeah. That's one. I think on the other side, um, I hope that uh, I'm going to start chronicling my journey through the PGA yep. and what that looks like. Yep. And I'm hoping that information being out there allows people to see the steps that are involved mm -hmm. uh, and that they can do it as well. So that that is the hope. I hope that my story and uh, the people that I interact with and the, the, the pieces of my journey that I share mm -hmm. will allow people to think, this is for me, I can do this, and this is how. Okay. Um, it's funny you say that because my coach and I from university still keep in touch. And he sent me a quote this week, actually, about some people strive really hard to do and achieve certain things when the real thing you should be trying to achieve is influencing and, and, and helping some at least one person to do better and yes. to be an example of what they could be, yes. you know? And I think you've done that so well. Thank you've you. done that so effortlessly. You've done it so so elegantly in the sense where you're like, I'm I'm here, I'm good at this. I'm gonna try my best to make sure that I, I leave an imprint that can last for generations. Yes. And I want I want to give you your flowers for that. Thank you. You've created a space. She came here a year ago <laughs> and has created a space that never existed. And I want to just give you full kudos for that, Amaya. Like, when I come and see your programs, I'm like, uh-uh, where all these black ladies come from? <laughs> all over. All, all over. All over. Nothing but black ladies on this golf course. I'm like, never seen that before. Never seen that before. And you need to give yourself full credit for what you've done. I don't think, sometimes we don't really realize the reach and the influence that we have. And I want to just give you a little glimpse into how the thoughts and the passion that you've had have helped other people. So important. Thank you, Marsha. You're welcome. Thank you. That's all I'll say. I think it's, it's, it. you know I struggle with like claiming uh, <laughs> accomplishments in a way uh, 
that allows me to like dwell in it and sit in it and actually enjoy the process, mm -hmm. I feel like we go from one thing to the next. <laughs> and I think that's a symptom of the way we were raised, yes. the fact that it's a survival Mechanism? thing out here. It's not, we can sit and enjoy our accomplishments. We no, don't have the time. No time. We have to keep because grinding. Because you know the minute you put your head down, yeah. something else is coming exactly. up, right? Exactly. So I really appreciate that, and I will try my best to sit in it for the second that I can before we move on. The whole on. second. <laughs> second and a half, perhaps? That would be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. That would be fantastic. What the does the ideal world in golf look like to you? Like, Oof. like full utopia, blue sky, like, what does it look like? It would look like... First, pay equity between LPGA and PGA Tour members. That's Let's at the top there. level Let's of professional golf. Yeah, start with the money. Firstly, equal broadcasting Ooh. for both LPGA and PGA, full media. coverage on the media. Mm -hmm. It would look like the LPGA and PGA being paid the same uh, for the, the, the games that they play. They all put in so much work, and they yeah. deserve to be equal. Um, I think... Uh, or maybe not, you know, some, I think the women's tour is actually getting more attention than the men's tour. Um, so if you were to give them equal broadcasting rights, could you imagine how many viewers you'd have if more people are actually Aware. watching the LPGA yeah. tour or the women's tours worldwide? Um, yeah, we so have maybe, that debate all the time because I work in media yes. in terms of like, do we show the game and see what happens or do we wait for the audience to show the game? You always... So my thing is like, especially in media, we ask this question all the time. Do we show the sport and then wait for the audience to come, or do we wait for the audience to show the sport? The answer is always show, show the, the sport. sport. But the investment that it takes for that to happen is what has a lot of people gun shy, because it takes a lot of money and resources to create the production and create the, the environment to showcase the sport, especially golf. But why do we trust broadcasting the men's sport so much that we would put it out there and just, you know, we know people are going to watch. watch. Why it. don't we expect the same when we put women's sport out? I, I, that, that's that, the that fight assumption we're is where now. the sexism lies. 100%. That's and the fight we're having. Yeah. You have that, like you said, you have that full trust that they're going to show up for the men, so why don't you have that same trust they're going to show up for the women? Absolutely. We're working on it. And I trust that they would show up more for the women. Especially so. in golf. Women's, yeah. women's golf is so much more enjoyable, realistic. There are so many, things you, so many more things you learn about course management mm -hmm. uh, in women's sport that you, and competition and just like grit. Yes. You know, the same way the men play, mm -hmm. but just on a different, on a, on, I feel like there's more thought. In that, how the women play. And, and, and For me, so it's much, the finesse with how women play. Yeah. It's very different. And I feel like I associate with it, associate with it better mm -hmm. than the men. And not just because they're men, but the choices that are made around the course, I associate with better. From a female perspective. Absolutely. You know, I was watching US Open, and I was like, look at Coco Boy. That is just a beautiful woman, right? Something that, for her to be able to see how Venus and Serena paved the way for her, and then now she's able to like live in that glory or the legacy of what they have done. Yes. I would love to see a black female golfer Ugh. win a P LGPG LPGA. I'm like, waiting. In my lifetime. Yes. I'm that waiting. Would, that would be a dream. It's it's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna happen. I think flowers to Mariah Stackhouse, who's out there grinding, mm -hmm. has been one of the only black women on the LPGA tour for a little while. Yeah. Um, huge props to her. Dying to see her win something. It'll, it'll happen. Be, it'll be amazing. It'll happen. I, I also have to... Uh, there's Cheyenne Woods, who was on yeah. tour for a little while. Um, not a black woman, but a Mexican-American woman mm -hmm. that I think has paved the way for a lot of uh, women from similar backgrounds okay. to look up to. Lizette Salas. Mm -hmm. She's been a favorite of mine as well to watch. I feel like, first of all, 
you know in sport they're getting younger and younger and younger, right? <laughs> Girl, don't remind me. So when you have somebody in your 30s who's still competing and mm-hmm. doing well and winning or coming in contention, yeah. I have to appreciate it. Give them the full credit. Yeah, so I'm like, Give listen, them full credit. I'm a big Lizette fan. Yes. Because girl, you we are know thriving. It's hard. And we are and we see you and we appreciate we the grind that you continue we to have. Absolutely do. And yeah. I love it. Um, I also know on the European side of things and potentially on the LPGA side, mm-hmm. I don't know if she's coming over, uh, Georgia Oboe. Okay. She's a Nigerian, British Nigerian player. Awesome. Um, okay. She's out there as well. So there are a lot of women there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in that, in that about my utopia, and yes. I started with the professionals because I feel like it was the easiest answer to give. Okay, I okay. think I want to go down next level mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, elite play to amateur play. Okay, I would love my utopia would be entering a golf course like Lionhead mm-hmm. and seeing just as many black women on this course as the people we see here. Mm-hmm. I would love. Can you imagine entering a range or a golf course and half the range of black women? That's a utopia for me. That would make me feel like we've made progress. Mm-hmm. Like we're here, we're taking up the space. space and we're comfortable taking up the space. In numbers. Yeah. And then generations from now, like the, the conversation we had earlier, where the mothers are introducing daughters. Correct. The mothers are bringing their sisters or mm-hmm. their aunties or, you know, I would love to see the community of us out here participating. It's funny because a lot of it has to do with like breaking down barriers. Yes and access to these spaces. Have you seen a difference? Because what people don't understand, in order to grow a sport, you have to open it beyond its current borders. You can't grow something in the same container. It has to come out of that container to grow. And I think a lot of sports have relinquished their their understanding of what their sport used to be and embraced an idea of what it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, But golf, I feel they like the idea of what that is, but have they been able to actually execute on that idea and open up more opportunities for more diverse audiences, but also make them feel comfortable coming out here and saying, yeah, I belong on this golf course. That's an interesting question because that goes to who the stakeholders are and Mm -hmm. the decisions they're making. So I'm gonna briefly touch on, you know, our national sports organization, Golf Canada, Mm -hmm. and the program that I manage in Ontario, First Tee. It definitely is a program that's trying to introduce children from underrepresented mm-hmm. communities to the sport, including okay. BIPOC kids. Um, so I think there is a mechanism for that introduction. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, other organizations or let's say a private club, for yep. example, maybe not. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't say other than just having a junior program and if you build it, they come and yep. hopefully, you hopefully know. Hopefully what happens from there. Ho- yeah. <laughs> hopefully there's one or two BIPOC kids, yeah. you know. Um, I can't say that, that that's happened. What I can okay. say is that folks that are accessing golf have a number of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm interested in seeing is how long drive develops. There's Mm. a a competition, a sport called long drive. Yeah. Where people, you need a driver and you need a golf ball. You need a place to practice. Yeah. You just try and whack the crap out of that ball. (laughs) And it is fun. I'm sure it is. It is quick. Mm-hmm. It is what people want to do on the golf course anyway. Anyway, we get how far. We don't, my, have you seen my drive? Right? We don't want to navigate I, a golf course. I learned course. the other day it's called the ego stick. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that driver is called the ego stick. It's I'm like, well, the ego stick. my ego is real shallow right now, right? boy. <laughs> and I think if you look at somebody like Troy Mullins, for example, yeah. who is a black woman uh, uh, who does long drive, I think she, her furthest ball was over 400 yards. Ooh. My girl is long. Yeah, lang, she, lang. She, she slapped the ball like down the street. She's lang. Yeah. Um, I feel like her, uh, the visual of her 
uh, is kind of that person we're looking for okay. to introduce and make you feel like this is part of the sport we can enter. Okay. So this, this doesn't talk about accessibility necessarily mm, to golf course, yeah. to golf courses, uh, or to even golf lessons, or even to accessing a space on your own. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there are other areas of golf that can feel more accessible to okay. people than traditional golf. traditional golf. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to ask you two more questions before we kind of like go watch me embarrass myself out here. So ready. You're um, not going to embarrass yourself. <laughs> How would you encourage more black people to play golf? Good question. So there's, there are ways to do this, mm -hmm. right? Um, first of all, pick up the phone and call your local golf range yeah. or your local golf club and find out if they have group classes. Ah, okay. Never, okay. I mean, if you're, if, you, if you're the kind of person that is interested in going to a golf range alone, pick the phone and give them a call, see if they've got rental clubs okay. uh, for you to use mm -hmm. uh, and how much their balls are and just give it a go. Just try it. Right, yeah. just try it. I would also say, check out some YouTube videos before you go. So the, you're not going the out interwebs there. Interwebs. <laughs> check people. out the interwebs. The interwebs. If you're heading out to a golf range on your own, yeah. just check out a few videos and give it a go yourself if you want to. Um, but my biggest tip would be trying it in a group. Okay. It makes it more comfortable. Yeah. You don't have to spend as much money as you would on an individual lesson. Right. Uh, and you're meeting people who are also learning it as you go. One of the things I wanted to ask as well, Amaya, is that a lot of people feel that golf is cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. How can they find ways to access the sport that might not necessarily be super expensive or super unattainable? Your first point of contact with golf doesn't need to be expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, you have your golf ranges that you can rent clubs for maybe $15 okay. uh, and then rent a bucket of balls for another 10, 15. Mm -hmm. So for $30, you're trying golf for the first time. So Sounds good. I feel like that's, that's a really easy, quick access point. Okay. If you're looking at group classes, maybe you're looking at 25 to $35 for a class. Mm -hmm. So a little bit cost, depending on your budget depending here on your budget, yeah. uh, and how many classes you'd like to do, at least trying golf for the first time, maybe you're paying 35, $35. Okay. okay. And that's not horrible. And that's accessible across the GTA, different ranges, different yes, options. So do correct. your Google research, yes. look into it, but give yourself the chance to yes. explore this sport, right? Yes. And I also think if you're looking for something nearby, look for golf ranges because mm -hmm. some golf ranges have group classes. Yeah. Also look for municipal courses. So public courses one. that have coaches that might have group classes. Okay. Amazing. Um, I love that. My question, and this is a BSB bias question, why do you think it's necessary to be black in sport business? Oh, that's a great question. You're welcome. If we're not here, there'll not be more of us. Mm -hmm. We have to be here to open the door. Yeah. We have to be here to also inject some sort of concept of different lived experiences into sport. Because too often, leaders only have one shared lived experience. Right, right. Very similar lived experience. Right. And without us, there is no differentiation to that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're needed. We're needed because the sport industry is not made up of one type of person. No. Uh, we're Athletes are not like that. They, so why would the business side be like that? You exactly. Know? And I think, I mean less so for golf, but if we're talking about other sports, mm -hmm. usually the people taking the hits, the people putting in the work, the people putting in the labor are the folks that come from our community. Yeah. How could we not be represented on the business side? Agreed. So I think it's necessary that we're here because we're everywhere in sport. And if okay. we're not in the business side of sport, then, you know, what are we doing? Hmm. And what, what are businesses doing without us? Agreed. And without our voices. Without our voices, right? Well, this has been a magical conversation. 
on a what, September evening on the golf course. We had the geese earlier. Sounds magical. Doesn't it? We had geese earlier on the nice green, little breeze blowing in the trees. How do people support you, Amaya? Like, how do they find you? How do they come to one of your classes? More women of color, more black women. Yes, All that fun stuff. How do they get out? Uh, sure. So you can follow me on Instagram at golf underscore interrupted. Mm-hmm. That it's is really good content, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. That is my platform where I play golf. I give tips. Mm-hmm. I talk about diversity. I feel like it's my alter ego um, <laughs> where I'm free to just talk about whatever I want about golf. Yeah. Um, you can also find me on black women golfers, all one word on Instagram. Yep. Uh, from time to time, we'll post uh, different events that we have popping up and how you can register to join. Perfect. If you click on our link section, there's also a sign up form so you can sign up for our mailing list mm-hmm. so you get first dibs at any events that are popping up or in your area perfect uh, so those are the two places you can mainly find me i love it keep doing what you're doing the impact you're having is bigger than you think thank you marcia and i just want to say because i know i hope other people are saying it thank you for the work you do giving us this platform to talk about what we do mm-hmm. could only be you <laughs> you are the person who is out here making the connections in the background you're supporting us uh not just you know through this podcast but in our personal lives Mm -hmm. and i just really want to say thank you i as a newcomer to canada as somebody new to sport i i i just i cannot i cannot say enough how much someone like you is appreciated and the work that you do thank you you're welcome now you sit there in a couple of seconds. <laughs> sit you sit in that. <laughs> well, that's you all about everybody. That. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Amaya. This has been, this you, has been awesome. Thank and thanks you. for your candor and just your honesty. I think having people learn more about golf in this aspect will help a lot with how they feel about approaching the sport. So thanks for that. Thank you. You ready to go hit some balls? Yes. <laughs> that's what you told me. Yes. Let's go. All right. Wow. She's going to embarrass me now in the people that I'm playing. I'm so listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We're looking forward to catching you on the next episode of the BSB Podcast.